Luke chapter 6 verse 45 reads, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. On today, we're going to deal with a very interesting topic of what is good treasure and what is evil treasure. Make sure you stay tuned. You were listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. My name is Darius Good, and you're listening to the Good Treasure Podcast Show. If you're listening by radio, thank you for joining us. If you're listening by podcast, make sure to leave a review. We will greatly appreciate it. Visit my website today, DariusGood.com, to learn about all the books um, that we have as well as the music I'm also a music uh, songwriter a music producer and so we have several albums that I've produced right there on the website check out the children's series that we have The Adventures of Rai Rai as well as David Man of War it's the first comic book that I've put together based on the life of David I believe this comic book will be a great uh, tool not only for children but also for adults as I've made sure that the storyline follows uh, what is written there in the King James Version of, of the story of David. And so check out the website today. But we want to get into this sermon on today in regards to good treasure and evil treasure. And so we're going to begin with our scripture for today in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The scripture says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Now we are very familiar with the latter part of this scripture that talks about the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. And so we always connect the heart and the mouth together in that particular context. But what I want to do is discuss uh, in this passage where it talks about good treasure and evil treasure. When we think of treasure... We generally think of, I guess, uh, what comes to mind would be that of maybe pirates, treasure box or chesser um, that might contain gold and jewelry and things of this nature. So these are things that are valuable. And I think that's important that we hold on to that particular um, concept there. It's the storing away or the storage, the holding on to of things that are of value. Now, if you go to this particular word in the in the concordance where it talks about treasure, this word treasure actually means the place in which good or precious things are collected and laid up. And so it deals with that same concept of a treasury, a storehouse where we place items or hold on to things that we've placed value on. And so this passage of scripture in Luke Uh, Chapter 6, verse 45, talks about two different types of treasure. It talks about good treasure 
and it talks about evil treasure. Now, what's very interesting is we probably don't think of treasure in this light, because when you think of gold and watches and jewelry and things of this nature, you wouldn't think of it as being good or being evil. We kind of give it a a value uh, of just things, uh, where things can't necessarily be good or evil. But in this context, Jesus is pointing out a very important concept that will lay out for us on today. So when we think of just natural treasure, we think of things that we hold on to. So when it comes to good treasure and evil treasure, that means that there are good things that we hold on to. And it means that there are also evil things that people will hold on to. So let's determine what is good treasure, what is evil treasure. Good treasure is anything that is good that you would hold on to. Now, we're not talking about physical things, not tangible things, but things that we have collected along our journey in life. It's the same concept for evil. What is evil treasure? Evil treasure is things that I have collected, things that I have held on to throughout my journey in life. How does this work? It works through life experiences. And so there are experiences that we have and there are words that are spoken. These two things together, experiences and words. And what both of these things do, when I talk about words, I'm talking about people speaking into our life, people sharing things with us or saying things to us. So now words spoken to me will produce a conclusion in my thinking and in my mind. Good words spoken to me will cause me to draw a good conclusion. Evil words spoken to me will cause me to draw an evil conclusion. Now, this is very important because it's the conclusions, how we think, what we believe, what I believe to be true, my conclusions. These are the treasures that I then began to hold on to. Now, here's the problem. It's human nature to collect both good treasure and evil treasure. This is human nature. This is how we are wired. And so we're going through our lesson on today so that we can identify good treasure versus evil treasure and understand the consequence or the effect that treasure has on us as children of God. So let me paint this example for you. Let's say a person has granted or given to you um, a compliment in regards to something. Now, immediately, our human nature, we love praise. Uh, we love to be celebrated. We love um, um, to be acknowledged. We love when people point out things that we do well. And so, especially as children, as children are, to grow, are growing and developing, these words, these compliments, this encouragement, this exaltation, this, this building up of a person, of their self-esteem, of how they see themselves, these words become words of treasure. And people will hold on to these words because I was received a compliment. Um, it's also important to understand that who the compliment comes from makes a huge difference. Um, the first person, of course, would be mom and dad, generally, that has a very impress impressionable uh, effect on us as we're growing up. 
What mom says, what dad says, their opinions about us begins to shape how we see and view things. But there's people outside of mom and dad. There's coaches. There's teachers. There might be principals or administrative uh, personnel. There might even be mentors that we have chosen to submit ourselves to. And the words spoken to us by these individuals that we hold in high esteem, their words become words of good treasure. If these are words of encouragement, if they're words of enlightenment, uh, words that cause us to now understand as I'm coming into revelation, the revealing of things. So now I understand because my mentor or my coach explained this to me. Now it makes perfect sense. And then they complimented me and said, you do very well in this area or you do very well in that particular area. And we begin to hold on to these compliments, these words of encouragement. And this is what good treasure is. So obviously evil treasure would be words that are spoken in negativity, words of hate, um, words that are spoken to degrade, spoken to devalue or to bring you low. Um, this is not this is not constructive criticism. Constructive cr- criticism, even though we don't like the criticism, is still constructive. So it's bringing correction, it's bringing adjustment, it's bringing light to areas. That's not what we're discussing. Evil words many times has a way of piercing the soul or piercing the heart. And then what people do is they take hold of those words and many times they don't even realize this is what's transpiring. And so these words and these opinions become a part of our store chest. And we hold on to them and they begin to affect us. They affect how we see ourselves. They affect how we view ourselves and how we respond to others. It it creates an adjustment in how I handle things based on the criticism that was said, not constructive criticism, but just criticism. And so what we begin to do is hold on to these words and it begins to shape our lives. I was speaking to someone not too long ago and the person was telling me that um, there's a call on their life for ministry and yet they had been criticized and told that they weren't a good speaker. Now, this is very interesting as we talk about Moses and we talk about how Moses said to to God and part of his, his complaint there at the burning bush. Lord, I can't go and speak to the king. I'm not a good speaker. Now, we understand that particular line of thought was not about his ability to speak. It didn't say that he had a speech impediment or or anything of that nature. The translation of that was that Moses could not speak the king's language. He had forgotten um, the etiquette that was required when, when addressing a king. So that scripture is not talking about a speech impediment. Because Moses wrote the law. He wrote five books of the Bible. So his ability to think, his ability to speak was not an issue. We could see that throughout the scriptures. But you see this area, even with Moses, where he felt inadequate. And that's what ends up happening as people put their opinions on us. Um, Especially if it's someone that we hold in high esteem, then their opinion begins to guide our life and cause us to shift 
how we engage and do certain things. And so this is important that we begin to identify evil treasure. As I mentioned, good treasure and evil treasure is not necessarily about what's been spoken to us. It's more about what we hold on to. So let's talk about King Saul. We have a story of King Saul, and this is in the book of Samuel. And we understand that Samuel was the prophet of the nation of Israel. And Saul was chosen by God to be the first king of the nation of Israel. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2, we have a description of this man, Saul. So it begins at verse 1. There's a man named Kish. This is Saul's father. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 describes Saul's father, Kish, as a mighty man of power. At verse 2, he has a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of his people. Some versions of the Bible describe Saul as being a handsome young man or a impressive young man. Um, this, this description of Saul being uh, taller than anyone else in the land. He was a very tall man. This seems to be a physical description, even though I believe that it goes beyond that. So we'll talk about that at a later time. But this is a description of Saul. He came from a powerful father, and he's a handsome, tall young man. Um, obviously, there's something that's very different about Saul in comparison to all of his brothers. What I want to do is skip down in this passage as we go to his encounter with the prophet Samuel as he is looking for his father's donkeys. So he's been out for several days, can't find them. He decides he's going to go to the prophet and ask the Lord for help. So they found out where uh, the prophet was and Saul and the servant goes. They track Saul, uh, Samuel down and their first encounter he realized that God's been speaking to Samuel at verse 19. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer, basically the one that you're looking for, a seer or a prophet. Go up before me unto the high place for you shall eat with me today and tomorrow. I will let you go and will tell thee all that is in your heart. And then he says at verse 20, and as for the donkeys that were lost three days ago, Set not thine mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and all thy father's house? So he answers the concern, but he says, this is uh, the prophet Samuel. He's saying, Saul, I will speak to you tomorrow about the things in regards to your heart. So this is a very interesting conversation, because obviously the things regarding Saul's heart was not the pressing issue of his father's donkeys. Now, notice at verse 21, 1 Samuel 9, 21, Saul's response, am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my father, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin, wherefore then speakest thou so to me? This verse reveals the mindset of Saul. Saul has a pre-drawn conclusion a, a uh, predetermination of who he is and how he measures up in comparison to everyone else. Now, the passage starts off by explaining that his father was a powerful man. And for some reason, Saul does not view his family as being powerful. 
He says, not only am I from the smallest tribe, but I'm also from the smallest family. And so this is a measuring of how Saul sees himself. Now watch this at verse 22. Samuel took Saul and his servant brought him into the parlor, in the parlor, made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 people. They took Saul and the servant and set them at the head of the circle or head of the table. Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion which I give thee of which I said unto thee and set it by thee. The cook took the shoulder and that which was upon it and set it before Saul. Samuel said, behold, that which is left, set it before thee and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. The prophet Samuel had invited these 30 people before Saul even arrived. He had the cook go in there and make the food before Saul arrived. Saul received the best portion of the meat. He sat at the head of the table. Samuel says to Saul, we're going to go up into the high place. At verse 25, it says, when they came down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house, the top of the house. So you see all these physical expressions, these physical acts that are being done throughout that day as God is addressing the mentality of Saul, the way he thinks, the way he views himself. God is taking him through a series of prophetic acts to rewrite and rewire his thinking. It says at verse 26, they arose early and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying up that I may send thee away. And Saul arose and they went out, both of them, he and Samuel abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. And, but but stood thou still a while that I might show thee the word of God. And of course, he goes into this prophecy in First Samuel chapter 10 um, of God calling him to be the anointed one, the chosen one to be captain over the Lord's inheritance, the one chosen to be king over the nation of Israel, gave him a very prophetic word about what, what was going to transpire as he would run um, he would find that the, the donkeys that he was looking for had run into a band of prophets. There was some food that he was to obtain in this experience. And so we see this, this outline as the prophet begins prophesying the king to be over the nation of Israel. And so I want to highlight for you those particular scriptures as you see the prophetic demonstration that has taken place. The, the, the prophet Samuel takes him and sits him at the head of the table, brings him up to the high place, gets him the best portion of meat. All of these acts should have been reprogramming his thinking. It should have caused Saul to take the evil treasure and get rid of it. But Saul doesn't do that. And so as we continue in this story, as we're looking at Saul, remember his mindset regarding himself is that I am from the smallest tribe, I am from the smallest family. Um, he's really, in essence, saying, I am not that big a deal. 
Um, I'm not very important at all. Now, when Saul returns home, his uncle approaches him. Now, this is 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 14. And the uncle said unto him and to his servant, where have you guys been? And he said to seek the donkeys. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. At verse 15, Saul's uncle said, tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. Verse 16, and Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys were found, but the matter of the kingdom whereof Samuel spoke, he told him not. He refused to tell his uncle what the prophet had spoken over his life. Now, this is what's interesting. Saul did receive the word in regards to being captain of the host. He received the word regarding being king. And it's interesting that we can receive certain words, but what we don't do is replace. Saul never replaced the evil treasure that he had in his storehouse. Wherever that mindset came from, whether it was spoken to him um, by an individual or a person, whether it was just a conclusion that he drew regarding himself, Saul never addressed these issues. Moving forward in this story, we have 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 17. Samuel begins to call the people together because he's about to anoint the first king over the nation of Israel. And he called them by tribes. And of course, when he called the tribe of Benjamin, um, then he called for the son of Kish. But it says at verse 21, Saul, the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Verse 22. So they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. So they ran, they fetched him, they brought him to stand before them amongst the people. And that's when they realized he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. Let's understand this. The shoulders deal with his ability to carry the kingdom. The scripture says that with Jesus, that the kingdom shall be upon his shoulders. That's where the government is, is carried on the shoulders of an individual. And so Saul had the ability to carry the nation of Israel. He was a kingly man, not just in physical stature, but also in his presence, in his spiritual attributes, his characteristics. He carried himself in a king-like manner, and yet in his mind, he was still small. He was a small man, a part of a small tribe, a part of a small, insignificant family, even though the family was described, his father's described as a man of power. Saul never addressed these issues. He needed to have gone through his storehouse, his mind, and cleaned out all of these things as a result of God bringing him into a new experience. As the Lord prophesied to Samuel that Saul would run into a band of prophets, the scripture says that he began to prophesy and that he prophesied all day. And it was as if uh, he was one of the prophets himself. And the scripture says that Saul's heart had been changed. He became a new man. But here's the thing. Saul experienced the anointing of kingship that came upon him. He's anointed for service. He's anointed to sit on the throne and reign and carry the nation. But the anointing does not change mindsets. It does not change how you think. 
The anointing will not fix bad character. And it's important that we understand that. The anointing does not change people's personalities. We have to embrace a different way of thinking. And so that initial experience of Saul's encounter with Samuel should have brought a, a transformation of the mind. Saul should have cleaned out his treasure, should have gone through the, the, the chest and removed all the negative thinking and the thoughts regarding himself, the conclusions that had been drawn, uh, the opinions of others that he embraced and placed value on. Treasure is something you put value on. It's not always good things. And in this case, because Saul would not address it, it affected him. And ultimately, it became the cause of Saul's demise. It caused the end of the covenant between God and Saul and his bloodline, who God intended that Jesus would come through. As we move forward in the story of Saul, we find David now coming on the scene. Here he's just uh, killed the giant Goliath. He's become a national figure. National attention is, is turned his direction. As David comes into a position of leadership and captain, they begin to write these songs how Saul has killed his thousands, but David has slain his tens thousands. And you see Saul's response. That was a result of the evil treasure, a mindset he never broke, a mindset he never addressed. And so it produced jealousy in his heart. It produced envy and caused this man to decide it's time for me to take the life of David. It's important that we recognize evil treasure, things that we hold on to, we have given value to, words not spoken for our good, but spoken for our evil. Conclusions, they need to be broken regarding ourselves. Thank you for joining us on today. Please join us again next week and be blessed. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure. Be blessed.